Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Hey, I want to preach a message this morning. Uh, I'm excited to share with you. Kind of, I haven't been, uh, preached in a couple of weeks, and so I have something that God's just been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks I want to share with you this morning. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is It's a New Thing with an A. It's got to be with an A, a thing. Uh, God's doing a new thing, if you want to write that down. Um, I have a short video uh, clip from, uh, you guys know John, our drummer? He's playing drums uh, somewhere, filling in this morning, but we have a clip from his Boys early childhood you may Lord enjoy Jesus here. Jesus Christ so is the one who gives us new life, and he's doing a new thing for us. Get always don't it. God is doing a new thing. Get always don't it. God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. Who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. Yo, who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. My God is doing a brand new thing. But since time began, he remains the same. Faithful, I'm ready to his word and silent. I go to store and I start. I look down through All the right, ages and you will find. God doesn't change, but he knows it's I time. tried to get John to be here this morning and do it in person and reenact it, but he said he, he had to play drums somewhere, so... I'm just kidding. That's not John. That's Josh. No, I'm just, <laughs> um, also known as the prophet. Okay, this is. Uh, can I read for a, a verse this morning? Let's get serious and talk about Jesus. But I had to show that video so you'll remember this message. That's the thing you'll remember. Um, Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. I want to read this verse. It says that they gave Moses this account. We went into the land. To which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. I want to give you a little background on this before I go on. You see, God, um, in his infinite wisdom, sent Joseph in an earlier time into Egypt because he knew that there was going to be a famine in Israel, and Joseph's family, which turned into the nation of Israel, was actually sustained because they were in Egypt during this time. And then God wanted to do a new thing. And so what happened, time passed, 400 years passed, a new Pharaoh that did not remember Joseph arose, and the Israelites became enslaved for these 400 years in Egypt. And, and then uh, God wanted to do a new thing again, and he rose up a man named Moses at the young age of 80. So by the way, it's not too late for God to do a new thing in your life. I don't care how old you are. Uh, he start, Moses started when he was 80, and uh, he sent Moses in to talk to Pharaoh. Um, it turned out there ended up being 10 plagues before Pharaoh would let the Israelites go. He finally let them go. The Bible even says that the Egyptians stuffed the pockets of the Israelites on their way out with gold and jewels and all these things. So Okay, so Cardi B did not invent the phrase came through dripping. It was actually in the scripture uh, way before that. Then the Israelites spent 40, day, 40 years in the wilderness on an eight-day journey. Why? Because God wanted to do a new thing, but they wouldn't receive the new thing that God wanted to do. Um, they, they stayed there. They they were headed to Canaan, which was also known as the promised land for them. It was this land that God had promised their forefathers. He promised it to Abraham and his descendants. And they sent in 12 spies to check out the land. 12 spies came back, and two out of the 12 said uh, they gave a good report, and the other 10 did not. And so I want to read a little bit of that in Numbers 14, verses, starting in verse 1. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. 
All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, son of I don't know who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because he will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. So these two men, they rose up and said, God is doing a new thing. Surely we could overtake those that are in the land. And there was these people that actually wanted to kill them. The entire assembly wanted to stone them, it says. Um, But they came out and they said, we tasted the grapes over there, okay? It's the land that flows with chicken minis. I'm telling you, there was the first Chick-fil-A over there. We saw with our own eyes. The people didn't want to hear it. They they were afraid of what would come. They understood that, that they could not overtake this enemy in their own strength. But these two men understood that with God, all things are possible. And if God promised it to them, then they said, surely we can overtake it. We can move into this land and take it if God promised it to us. And also, Jacob or Caleb and Joshua, they understood something. They understood that we can't go back. We can't go back to Egypt. God is doing a new thing. The people wanted to kill them because the, this congregation had bought into complacency. Complacency is basically saying, what I have is enough. What I have, um, we're okay with where we're at. In fact, there's giants in our way. And i got to tell you, if you're doing something and there are no giants coming against you, you're probably, probably not in your promised land. Because anytime God wants to move you into a new thing, there's always going to be giants to push you back to the old thing. And the Israelites had to figure this out in this moment that just because there was giants in front of them doesn't mean that that's not their promised land. The, the truth is we all say we want change. But when change actually comes, the shouting in the amens stop. The truth about change is, write this down, this is profound. If something's going to change, something has to change. And we don't like that. We like the old thing. We like the way things were, the way things have always been. We like that. We want the promise without it affecting us. And in other, other words, we want the new wine in the old wineskin. We want what God's new thing is, but I want to do it in the old way, in the way you did it last time, God. I want the freedom that Pastor Brent preaches about. I just don't want to do the things that need to be done to get it. I want, I want the marriage that I dream about, but, but I, don't, I don't want to stop looking at the other stuff on the internet. I want the power and the intimacy with God that I know is possible, but I also want to watch six hours of Netflix and play video games every day. You see, sometimes when God is doing a new thing, we don't like what it's going to take. We don't want the change. We say, I want to go all in and go after my destiny, but I also want to keep those friends that pull me back into my old life on the side. You see, sometimes if you want to get new wine, you got to get a new wine skin. We say we want change, but the question is, do we really? 
See, for change to happen, it has to start on the inside. The congregation in this story, they understood that and they wanted to kill them because now these guys are rising up that are showing me that there's more than I'm actually living right now. That there's another level, that there's no more faith than I have. These two guys are showing me that I'm complacent and I don't like it, so let's kill them and I'll feel okay with where I'm living at right now. Not everyone's happy when you uh, get on fire for God. They, they want to be comfortable in their complacency. This is the same reason why some people don't like to come to church regularly because every time they come into church, there's this light that shines on their sin. And they can't go on living in complacency comfortably. There's actually a choice that needs to be made. They don't like the light to shine on those areas in their life. And we may end up like the Israelites, standing on the edge of the promised land, but still in the wilderness thinking what I have is enough and running around this mountain for 40 years in the wilderness but staying in the same place. And I wonder if there aren't many in this room this morning who you are doing this Christianity thing but you're not moving. And you're staying in the same place like the Israelites were. Personally, I like going to the gym but I hate this part of the gym called cardio. Can I get an amen? Does anybody else... In fact, the only thing I dislike more than Cardi B is Cardi O. That's the only thing that I find worse. Um, but I, I know that there's this machine that you probably all know of in the gym, and it's a satanic machine called a treadmill. Have you heard of this? It's an evil, evil machine. I don't like it. And, and I'm sure you've been to the gym. You know how it works, but it moves under your feet, and I can move or run as fast as I want to and not get anywhere. In fact, every step that I take, the belt under my feet is actually working against me. And, I'm, and I find myself getting exhausted, and no matter how fast I ran or how far I walked or ran, when I get off, I'm standing in the exact same place as when I started. And I think I see many people in the church today who are running this race but getting nowhere. And I think Jesus wants us to learn something from the Israelites this morning. I think many of our spiritual lives look like this. I go to church, I give, I serve, I do all of these things, but I feel like I'm getting nowhere in my relationship with God. In fact, I feel more distant from God than even before I was doing these things. And you may, if you check yourself, you may find yourself on the spiritual treadmill this morning getting nowhere with God. You may find yourself looking back at 2019 and saying, it looked just like 2018. And I don't want you to end 2020 and look back and say it was just like 2019. I think God wants to take us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. I don't think he wants us running on a treadmill, staying in the same place, just waiting for Jesus to return. I don't think that's what his desire is. There's another thing, kind of works the same way, and you've probably seen these if you've been to an airport. You ever seen a people mover in the airport? What it is, is it's basically a, a treadmill. It has a belt that moves under your feet, but it actually moves in the same direction as your feet, so I can move twice as fast as I would normally. You ever walk on this? I love this thing. I walk on this, and I look at all the people walking off of it, and I think, what's wrong with you? Why would you, why would you walk? I'm better than you. I'm just kidding. But I fly by, and I go farther and faster than I ever could on my own. And I think this is the spiritual life Jesus Christ wants us to live, 
and we find ourselves walking on this treadmill, and it looks like it's supposed to look. The belt moves the same way. It operates the same way, but there's something different about a treadmill and a people mover. One is working against you, and one is working for you. And my question this morning is, which one are you on? Are you on one that's increasing your, increasing your momentum and helping you to walk faster and farther than you could on your own? Because I think this is the way God's system is for our life, but there's another religious system that will have us doing the same motions but getting nowhere. And I wonder this morning if there aren't many of us on this treadmill. They both operate the same way. The results are much different. This is what religion and intimacy with God look like. They both look the same on the outside. But on the inside, one is moving and one is getting you nowhere. And so I'm asking you to to check your heart this morning and ask yourself, are you in a religious system or are you in God's system for your life? You know what a religious system looks like? It looks like checking off boxes. I came to church on Sunday. I did my job. I'm even reading my daily devotional check. I said my prayers uh, for the people I have on my prayer list, check. And these are all good things. You see what I'm saying? They look a lot like intimacy with God. But the problem is we've created patterns that never turn into pursuit. Pursuit has to come first that results in a pattern. And that's the difference between walking on a treadmill or walking on a people mover in the same direction that God has for you. And we've tried to turn patterns into a pursuit of God. But the truth is, if you think back on when you first probably came to know Jesus, if you had an encounter with him, it started with pursuit and it resulted with you wanting to be in church. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to read the word to find out more about this God and know this God who loves me and who died for me. And the pursuit was actually the thing that resulted in a pattern, but we get really good at patterns. You know why? Because I can check my progress and I can feel, see how good I feel like I'm doing. I'm checking off all the right boxes and doing all the right things, but if you're honest with yourself, you haven't had a pursuit of Jesus in your heart for years. And we wonder, why am I getting nowhere? Why do I feel like I'm not growing? You may be on a spiritual treadmill this morning. You see, it has to start internally. Internal pursuit results in external patterns. External patterns do not result in internal pursuit. And so it always has to start with an internal pursuit of Jesus Christ. Not about looking the part because that never produces fruit. It's about pursuit. You may be on the treadmill this morning if you've ever thought it was a burden to come to church. You may be on a treadmill this morning if you've settled uh, for for learning about God through preaching but have no desire to dig for yourself. You may be on a treadmill this morning if you've ever said, I didn't get anything out of worship today. The truth is, if I'm being really honest with you as your pastor because I love you, hear my heart, we are not worshiping you. You're probably still worshiping yourself. Because we worship to bless God. My question is not, did you get something out of worship? My question is, God, did you get something out of our worship this morning? Because we came here to worship him. And we have to be honest with ourselves because if, it, if it's become about us, we're probably finding ourselves on a treadmill this morning. If you've ever decided that what you have of God is enough, you might be on a treadmill. Because when we know what we know about God, like we were singing this morning, is there's always more. 
and if I understand that in my heart, I will have a continual pursuit of the more that God has for me. You know what happens if you walk on a treadmill long enough? First, you get exhausted. Second, you'll lose weight. And that might be a good thing in the physical for some of you, maybe. You're thinking, praise God, that's awesome. Um, but in the spiritual, we are called to gain weight. It's called the kabah, the weight of God's glory. And I see too many emaciated Christians, and they, they have no strength, and they have no power and energy because they're walking on a treadmill, and they're, they're, they're exhausted, and they feel like it's a burden and a chore to serve the God that they started out serving because they wanted to know him, and they loved him. And it started with the pursuit. But if it turns into a pattern, you're on a treadmill, and you're going to find yourself weak and emaciated and wanting to give up. And I think it's important that we understand the Israelites. There's a, there's a difference we see here between Caleb and Joshua and these other ten and the rest of this congregation that wanted to stone them. They understood something different. And this morning you might be saying, I'm walking on the belt. I, I don't understand what you're saying, Pastor Brent. I'm doing what it looks like. I want to ask you this morning to turn around and watch the momentum of your life with God take off. Turn around and do what you did at first. The Israelites, they walked on this treadmill in the wilderness for 40 years before two men turned, stood up and said, I need, we need to turn around. We need to do this God's way. We need to trust God and move into his promise. Um, here's the truth. Different doesn't have to do with God. Some of you are waiting on God to change you. And there are areas of our life, everything has to start with God. But we're waiting for God to move and change us. But it took the Israelites two weeks to get to the edge of what God had promised. They didn't move in. Not because God did not desire for them to move in. They didn't move in. Not because God's plan for them was uh, for them to wait for 40 years. They didn't get in for 40 years because they chose to turn back to the old thing instead of trusting God to do a new thing. And often, we are waiting for God to do something that he has brought us to the edge of, and all he says to do is take a step of faith. And we say, I, don't, I can't do it. I see giants. I don't understand what's in front of me. And we turn back around and find ourselves walking around the same mountain on a treadmill in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't want my life to look like that. I think it would be a miss not to mention that that whole story was about that there was 10 of the 12 or how many ever went that were the ones saying they could not defeat the giants. And understand that in your life, you're going to have the majority of people saying you can't. The majority of people around you, whether it's your family, your friends, and those, they will be the ones that will lift up your pity party. They will be the ones that will keep you in depression, and they will be the ones that say you can't. Why? Because they believe themselves that they can't. And if they can't do it, then you surely can't do it. But I'm telling you right now, what Joshua and Caleb saw was they didn't see a people that could do it. They saw a God who could do it. And it's a perspective change from what man can do into what God can do. And that is not what we're talking about. Um, I think we need to clear something up theologically when we talk about God doing a new thing. Because it confuses people sometimes. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Pastor Brent. He does, there's nothing new under the sun. And I understand that. I want you to understand there's a difference here. God is never changing in his character. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I will tell you, and we can learn this from Jesus, God is constantly changing in his strategy. Yeah. 
When we look at Jesus healing blind people alone, one time he spit in the on the ground and wiped it in the guy's eyes. Another time he put mud in the eyes and said, go wash yourself. Another time he just told the blind guy, go, your faith has healed you. Why didn't Jesus do this according to a certain pattern? Because he doesn't want us to think that the pattern is the promise. He is the promise. And if you go after Jesus, you do what Jesus tells you to do, and you'll find out that the pursuit is what Jesus is all about, never a pattern. If Jesus healed people the same way every time, guess what we'd try and do? We'd have church services, and we would just repeat exactly what Jesus did and expect people to be healed. Because Jesus didn't want us to learn about a pattern. He was always changing his strategy to get us to understand that it's about the pursuit. God wants us to see that we cannot get married to the way things were done before. We can never get married to a wineskin. When God wants to do a new thing, he wants to do it in a new wineskin. I can expect his character to be the same. The wine is still doing the same thing. The wine is still saving people. It's still delivering people. It's still healing people. It's still setting people free. But the wineskin looks different. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do it in a new way, in a new wineskin. The thing that we need to understand this morning is we need to stop fighting the direction God has for our life and getting exhausted. We need to turn around and say, God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, I want a different spirit like Caleb and Joshua and say, I just want you, God. I want the new wine. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if the service is over in 60 minutes. I don't care if the worship looks different than I'm used to. I don't care, God. If people come into the church who look different and act different than me, God, bring them in. I want a new thing. You know who resists the new thing the most? Is always the people who were with God in the old thing. And the old thing is beautiful and it's celebrated because God did the old thing. But we always have to be understanding, God, we want a new thing, whatever that looks like. If it looks like the old thing, great, bring it on, God. But our heart always has to say, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, we want you, Jesus. We want the new thing. Important question this morning, where are my Disney people at? Anybody? Okay. Not that many. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. No, I'm just kidding. I love Disneyland. Um, it's not even for the coasters. To me, the coasters, when they came out, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were like state-of-the-art cool coasters. They're fun. But I got to tell you, if you've ever been to like Six Flags, um, the coasters at Disneyland, they don't, they're just, they don't really compare with the coasters in Six Flags, okay? But, but I remember when I was a kid and the first experience I had with roller coasters was at Disneyland. That, to me, was the most amazing thing. And if I had stuck with that and never experienced a new thing, I would probably have no problem waiting 45 minutes in line for uh, the Matterhorn. But right now, I'm like, I don't know, 45 minutes is a long time. I mean, it's not that, it's not that great. But I, but I experienced a new thing. And so the old thing, it became different for me. That's why I think every parent needs to learn to force their children to go on scary stuff, right? Can I get in a man? Some of you have never done this, and it shows, okay? I know your kids. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Why? Because I've learned with my kids, they never want to experience a new thing until they've done it. Entire time in line, the first time my kids go on a ride, they're, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, sit down. You're doing it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I, but I'm like, you're going to like it, I promise. It's not as bad as you think. It's not that bad. And then they do it, and guess what the first thing that you, they usually say? Let's do it again. 
But if they hadn't tried the new thing, they stood on the edge of this thing in fear and thought, I don't think I can do this. I got another story for you. Uh, The first time my wife rode a roller coaster was with me. She was 25 years old. She was finally tall enough. And, and And we thought to ourselves... This is going to be great. She, um, <sighs> I got I to gotta bring myself back in. She, she wanted to do it until we got in line. And then the entire time in line, she's asking me, tell me exactly what this ride does. She was not one that grew up riding roller coasters. She didn't want anything to do with them. She's like an it's, it's a small world kind of girl, if you know what I mean. And so... She, she's tell, asking me over and over, and I told her many times exactly what happens on this ride. We're in line. She's asking the employees on the ride, what does this do? Does this go upside down? I'm like, Jen, it's the Matterhorn, okay? Calm down. Uh, does this have any big drops? Um, and they're telling her the exact same thing I told her. No, it doesn't. She's wanting to quit the entire time. Finally, I'm just coaxing her like, it's not a promise. It's nothing. It's nothing. And they buckle her in, and the ride starts to move, and immediately a smile just comes to my face. Like, it's too, I, I think I told her, it's too late now. <laughs> um, she immediately began to cry and shout at me and say, you lied to me. Because, you know why? Because the coaster began going up like this. And so if it goes up, it must come down. However, I did not lie to her. She ended up enjoying it. She now loves that roller coaster. But if I hadn't first uh, told her and, and helped her, encouraged her that it's going to be okay, she never would have tried the new thing. And I think so often in church, we say we want a new thing, but we are terrified when it comes to it. Think about death. Can I be honest with you? A fear of death is not unspiritual. Many times it's human. Why? Because we've never experienced the other side of that thing. It's a new thing. And, and the truth is, somebody who has experienced death and gone to be with the Lord, if they have been there one hour, they would never want to come back to the old thing. Why? Because they found that what they found is so much greater than what they left. And many times we stand on the edge of a new thing and allow fear of what stands before us or what we're going to miss out on behind us stop us from moving into what God has for us. And I think it takes courage. And I think that that Caleb and Joshua, they understood that this took courage and they were ready to move in. They came out of slavery. They tasted the new and said, no way we're going back. Something was stirring on on the inside of them. And I think this morning, something is stirring on the inside of you saying, I want to turn around and do it God's way. I want to trust him with my future. I want to trust him and take a step of faith. We want the new, but the truth is most Christians they love God, but they stay on the treadmill because they're afraid of what they'll have to lose if they turn around. Well, what's God going to ask me to leave behind? And we have this fear of, of what I'm going to miss out on if I go all in for Jesus and I turn around and I pursue him with everything I have. There's certain things he's going to ask me to let go of. Can I tell you that's the exact same fear that the Israelites had? That's the exact same fear of standing on one edge of death and knowing the promise on the other side but still fearing because you've never experienced it. But i got to tell you, when God asks you to release something, it's because he always has either something better than that for you or he wants to be that thing for you. He'll never ask you to leave something and not replace it with something better. But we allow this fear to help keep us on the edge of the promise that God has for us. 
The first public thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when he was ministering publicly, the first thing he ever said was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know what that means? Re means do it again, and pent means top, which means go back to the top. Put things back in order. Start over. Turn around. That was Jesus' first thing he said in ministry. Go back to the original way God intended for us to live. But what we do is we try and be Christians who live in a world system, and we try and fit into a world system, and we have the same problems that the world has, and we deal with them the same way the world does, but we want to preach a gospel that says we're different. And I don't think that people buy into it. I think people are looking for uh, people that will make a choice and say, you know what, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm going to submit to God's systems. There are many Christians who are submitting to the wrong systems because every morning you wake up and you make a choice, am I going to submit to the Holy Spirit today or am I going to submit to the world system that, that are the expectations of people or the flesh um, because the fight is because you're human. Everyone goes through this. Everybody. We have to make a choice each day of what system I'm going to be led by. I want to get, write down two things before I close this morning. The first thing that you need to know and you need to do if you're going to turn around is we need to admit that the world's way and the world's system, it doesn't work. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? There was this woman, she, she had had this issue of bleeding for 12 years and been to all the doctors. And the Bible says her condition got no better because of the doctors. It actually got worse. 12 years she went to the doctors and nothing got better. And then it says one day she, she decided if I can just get to Jesus and push through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'll be healed. For 12 years she fought for that same system, trying everything the doctors said to do. I, I might have been in for two or three years, I don't know, but, but I would have said to myself, this isn't working. But we don't do that, right? We, we continue to try the same system over and over, walking on a treadmill, not getting anywhere. And it's easy to judge the woman with the issue of blood and say, 12 years, come on, lady. But there are some of you who are still Lions fans, okay? Let's be honest this morning. They've been bad for 30 years, but every season, the first four weeks, you're like, we're going to the Super Bowl this year. I think they sit on this side of the church, if I'm not oh, mistaken. No. They're spread out. Where's Adam? He's not over here. But i got to be honest with you, we have a hard time admitting sometimes that something isn't working. We, we, like a football team, we keep running it up the middle and getting snuffed out every time. Uh, let's run it up the middle again, snuffed out, getting nowhere, getting nowhere for years and years like this woman with the issue of blood. And nothing changed until she said to herself, the old way isn't working anymore. I'm done trying all of these things. Nothing changed for Israel until somebody said the old way isn't working anymore. Nothing will change for you. How long have you been doing what this woman did? You haven't been physically bleeding, but if you're honest, you've been bleeding spiritually. And you keep running to this world system to help you. You have to admit it's not working. You're lonely. The world says you need a man to fix that. And so you dress accordingly and, and show skin on social media to perfect strangers, not because you're bad, it's because you're trying to work the world system. And I gotta tell you this morning, that system will never work for you. Not with the promise that you're looking for. The promise you're looking for is found in pursuit of Jesus. 
Some of you here this morning, you have anxiety and fear. And the world system says to pour a drink or take a pill. And I'm not neglecting or trying to negate the fact that there are reasons that we we have medications and we take pills. I'm just saying that there's a system that God says that he promises peace, that that should be our first response, not our last resort. Maybe this morning you're here and you're, you're turning to the world system because you're insecure and you choose to live for the approval of people. And I got to tell you, that is a treadmill like nothing else. Because you have to post another, another picture and get more likes. And, and I need the approval of man and the affirmation of man. And I'm constantly having to refill on it and refill on it and refill on it. And, and I want to act the way people want me to act. And, and I got to do what people desire for, for me to do. And you become a chameleon who will act any way you need to to get affirmation from people. And you don't know who you are. And you're walking on a treadmill. And you think this affirmation will add value to your life. But it never does. The only answer, the only system that God provides is Jesus. You've got to get to Jesus. And i got to tell somebody this morning, if you turn around and you walk towards Jesus, you will find momentum in your spiritual life like you never have. I'm not saying pick up a pattern. I'm saying pursue Jesus. And if you get a hold of his heart for you, all your patterns will fall into place. You can't stop me from reading the word. You can't stop me from getting to church because I got to worship and I got to be with my brothers and sisters who love me and love the Lord. And we come together and we just love to get to Jesus. It's a different system. The second thing that you have to do is you have to sell out to God's way. First, you have to admit that the world system is not working for you. The second thing you do is you have to sell out to God's system. You can decide to get off the treadmill, but the truth is, then what? You have to decide to move in the other direction. Mark 5.28, this is the woman with the issue of blood. It says, she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. She had already stepped off the treadmill, and now she had to make a choice. And her choice was, I got to get to Jesus. I got to move in the direction of Jesus. She jumped on God's system, and it accelerated her life. And some of you come here every Sunday morning, and I watch you step off the treadmill on Sunday morning and wait for God to change you. And I see some of you watch Jesus walk by every Sunday morning and say, if only he changed me. But I got to tell you, somebody this morning, you've stepped off the treadmill, but now you need to get to Jesus. Don't wait for him to come to you. Watch your pursuit bring you within his reach. This woman with the issue of blood, she did whatever she had to do. She got on her knees and she crawled through the crowd that was pressing against Jesus because she said, nobody's going to stop me from getting to Jesus. No issue, no people in my way, no giants are going to stand in my way. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not supposed to touch people, but I don't care because if I can just get to Jesus, I'll be healed. 
And I, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody this morning to catch this and say, you know what? I got to get to Jesus. I'm tired of standing on the edge of the promise and understanding that the old system isn't working. I'm tired of letting fear say I can't overtake the giants. I'm looking for some radical faith that says I trust God has better in front of me than what's behind me. I'm saying goodbye to complacency and hello to my destiny this morning. Where are my people that would say that with me this morning? Where are my people that would say, Jesus, I'm tired of a religious system. I just want you. I believe Jesus wants to break the cycle in your life this morning. There's a cycle of walking around this same mountain and going through the same things. I get hungry for a minute. I step off the treadmill. And then I get right back on on Monday morning and I keep looking for that affirmation from people. I keep looking to world systems to make me better. Um, show me that graphic real quick, will you? This is called the Titler Cycle and it's, it's about government systems and how a government uh, co goes through this system. As you can see in bondage, if we're America, we, we were in bondage and we were under the control of, of England and we decided, you know what, there was a spiritual awakening and it led to courage. We came to America, we wanted freedom, we found liberty, we live in abundance and then every nation seems to turn to selfishness saying, what, what, what's it going to do for me? Then complacency, uh, meaning what I have is enough. Apathy, meaning who cares? Then back to dependence, which means you do it for me. And then back into bondage and needing another spiritual awakening. And I got to tell you, this also fits with our faith. We, we start out in bondage. Jesus Christ sets, a, uh, sets something alive inside of us. Uh, we have a spiritual awakening. It really re begins in courage. We begin to tell everybody we know, you gotta, you gotta know this Jesus. I'm telling you, it's not like you thought it was. I'm sharing my faith in Walmart. You know, all these things are happening. I have all this courage. And then I get liberty, I get free, and then I begin to live in abundance. And we find many people in the church in this place of being blessed and living in abundance. And then what happens is we naturally turn to selfishness, meaning what can the church do for me? What can God do for me? And then complacency, which is where we find Israel in this story. And they say, what I have is enough. Apathy, who cares? Dependence saying, you do it for me, pastor. And then back into bondage. And I got to tell you, there has to be a breaking of this cycle. Because this is a treadmill. You're getting nowhere, going in circles. Like the people in, Israel, in the wilderness, the people of Israel in the wilderness, they walked around in these circles. But I believe Jesus between abundance and selfishness wants us to turn with our abundance and pursue Jesus and go back around to spiritual awakening. That's what Jesus calls from glory to glory to glory and never turning towards selfishness. It's an epidemic in the church today. I'm telling you, what do I get out of this? It's become, it's gone from Jesus, you're so worthy. Thank you for all you've done to me for me to now, what am I going to get out of this? I don't really like that part of service. I don't really do that thing. And I got to tell you, we got to turn back to pursuing Jesus. Get back to another spiritual awakening, which turns into another spiritual awakening over and over because God wants to break the cycle in your life. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you, you, you've given us your word and your promise, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for us, Jesus, that you've given us a promise that you, you, you want to move us from glory to glory. And I, I thank you this morning, God, that many of us this morning have had a, an awakening, a revelation that we're living on a treadmill of a religious system that is somewhere along the line, it changed from a spiritual awakening to now being just in this place of complacency. And God, I believe this morning you're awakening something on the inside of people that says, I don't want to walk around 
around in circles any longer. I want to get off this treadmill and I want to get to Jesus. And I believe this morning, God, that you want, that is what you want. You want to see a, a group of people coming together and coming after you all together. I'm closing and I just want to share one more story from the scripture that the Lord laid on my heart. There's a story about Elijah. The, probably the most famous story about Elijah is when he called fire down on Mount Carmel. You remember this? And in this story, I find it interesting. Man, I, was, I was reading this story this week and the Lord kept bringing my mind back to Mary of Bethany when she broke the alabaster box over Jesus' feet. And I was kind of wondering how in the world these things tied together. If you remember, we focused so much on that story last, last year and where God was taking us as a church and just pouring out our worship on Jesus and pursuing Jesus. And so I was reading this story again, and I started to think about the circumstances of this story. And you got to realize that these people were in a drought, okay? The Israelite people were in a drought. There was this lady named Jezebel who had tried to silence God's voice by killing the prophets. And now there was one prophet remaining. His name was Elijah. Elijah told the prophets of Baal, he said, meet me on the top of Mount Carmel. There was 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah was the one lone prophet of God. And he said, you call down fire. And if your God answers by fire, he's God. I'll call down fire on the sacrifice. And if my God answers by fire, he's God sounds good, um, but you need to understand something. These people were in a drought that had started because Elijah prayed to God. This was a God drought. Sometimes you might think in your life the drought you're going through is actually the enemy, but not always. These people hadn't had water in three years, and Elijah tells them to do something interesting before the fire fell. He actually tells them, I want you to take water and pour it all over the altar. And I looked this up because this interested me. The nearest water source was 20 miles away. So where did these people get the water? You know what I realized? The only water that they would have on a journey through the desert is their drinking water. And so now God is asking them, pour out the, the little bit that you even have left and trust me to do a new thing. And so they began to pour out the water, and Elijah said, more. Three times he said, pour more, pour more. And every person made a sacrifice. And then the fire fell. And i got to tell you this morning, I believe God is looking for a sacrifice from every person in this room. And if we begin to pour out our worship on Jesus, like Mary of Bethany, I know it's a sacrifice because you've been in a drought. But I'm telling you, I know you don't have much you feel like to worship with, but if you pour out the little you have, I believe fire will come down from heaven this morning in your life, in your family. Father, we declare it in the name of Jesus this morning that we're going to worship you before we leave. We're going to give you everything we have. We lay it down at your feet, God. The little we have left, Father, we bring it to you. Would you let the fire fall? Would you let lives change? Would you give us a spiritual awakening in our lives, God? We shake off complacency this morning, and we say what we have is not enough. Pour it out. Come on, will you worship with me for a minute before we leave?